0: Great, thank you very much. Good morning, church. Good morning. So we are, it's pretty much Christmas now, isn't it? I mean, I know, I know we've got a few weeks until Christmas Day, I get that, but we are firmly in the Christmas season, and if you ask me, I think Christmas is all about the waiting, all about the suspense. Uh, and we've had a few Christmas references this morning already, and you may have already watched one or two Christmas things, you may have played one or two Christmas songs, you may have eaten one or two Christmas things. We had mince pies in the office uh, this week, and I resisted them, uh, not because uh, I'm on some diet, but because I don't want to peak too early with my, with my Christmas. So I will go all in when I think I'm ready, and I think maybe this afternoon I might declare Christmas open in the Hennigan household. But we know that Christmas starts, don't we, because we have two very big retailers in this country that release these two gigantic advertising campaigns, and they duke it out to be the best Christmas advert of the year. Now, just out of interest, a show of hands, if you have seen the Sainsbury's advert, and you have seen the John Lewis advert, if you've seen them, which is your favourite? Okay, OK, I'll give you a minute to think. The John Lewis advert, the piano, Elton John going through his life, it's very touching. Yeah, OK. It's about the same again. The Sainsbury's advert. Okay. But have we not seen the Christmas adverts yet? No. We have. Okay. Maybe we're unsure. You, you will definitely see them. They, will, they have spent a lot of money in placing them in the right places. You will not avoid them this Christmas. Um, I work in marketing, uh, and one of the things that I spend a lot of my time doing is advertising and messaging and branding. So I'm one of those... Um, nerdy people who actually looks forward to the advert break uh, when i'm watching tv because i like to dissect what they're saying what they're doing how they're making me feel when i go on the on the train to london i'll I'll study the adverts on the trains and in the tubes that that provides a little bit of an activity for me and i'll look at the language and, and what they're trying to say to us and i was you know the christmas adverts they don't push product do they There's no, all right, okay, there was a piano in the John Lewis advert, and I believe they have stocked up on pianos as a result, but it's not about pushing deals or discounts or certain products, is it? They want to fill you with a mood or an emotion. They want to present a kind of a lifestyle. Um, And they're preaching a message to us, aren't they? They're preaching a message to us. They're saying, if you embrace this kind of lifestyle, if you um, look for the things that we're offering, um, we, can, we can provide it for you. And they preach a kind of worldview. And I was particularly taken by the Sainsbury's advert. It's not my favorite. My favorite is the John Lewis advert this year. But in the Sainsbury's advert, the strapline of their campaign says that we give all we've got for the things we love. Uh, and it was set to the soundtrack. You may remember this one-hit wonder band in the 90s called the New Radicals. Um, "You only get what you give" is the main line in the chorus. You only get—I think that was the title of the song as well. "You only get what you give." Now, this is an amazing message for a retailer. Okay? You want to have the best Christmas? We've got it. Okay? You only get what you give. You need to invest. Come and invest in my shop. Um, you know, we've, we'll, we'll supply everything you need for Christmas this year. Great message. But I'm interested in the larger message behind it. What's really going on in that message? What's speaking to us? And I think there's a few things that it's saying to us. It says, you get out what you put in. Life is what you make it. You get what you deserve. Good people, they get good things. Bad people, they get bad things. It's essentially a message Of karma, isn't it? And this is exactly what people think that religion is all about. And to an extent, they're right. Many of the world religions preach a message of karma. They preach a message that you need to do these things, you need to live this way in order to get to heaven. You need to suffer well, you need to be pious to reach nirvana. Um, But Christianity is radically different to that message. Jesus offers us. Something completely different to these other religions and to this Sainsbury's advert. I remember when I was taking my GCSEs a couple of years ago, um, that I felt the weight of responsibility of, of if it's true, if that we only get what we give, then it's all down to me, I have to put everything into these GCSE exams because I need to get the results. I have to get these results. And I became so anxious, I was petrified and I shut myself away and I revised like mad, okay? You wouldn't know I existed, I was just gone, I was revising. And I remember thinking, I put so much pressure on myself, I remember thinking that I cannot wait for this part of my life to be over, where I feel like I'm always being tested. I will be so free, I'll be able to get on with my life, but that's just the start, isn't it? Our exams. Little did I know The the exams, the tests, they get harder and harder. We get more and more responsibility and the stakes get higher and higher. As soon as you leave school, it basically begins. We are faced with a barrage of daunting decisions that we feel will dictate the course of our life and the quality of our life. Just think about it. We finish school, should I go to university or start work? Which university should I go to? Which course should I take? Should I live in halls or in a house share? Should I go out tonight or should I do more work? Okay, now I've got a degree, where should I live? Should I live in the city or in the countryside? Should I live with people I know or with strangers? Should I live near work or near my friends? What job should I do? What will have the best career opportunities? Should I work in an office or in a non-desk-based role? How far am I willing to travel for work? What should I spend my money on? Should I get a Netflix or or Amazon Prime? Should I try to save money for future emergencies or spend it now and enjoy my life? Should I, spend, should I pay for things now, up front, or in instalments? What phone should I get? What car should I get? What haircut should I get? Should I take drugs? Should I gamble? Should I have sex with my girlfriend? Do I want to get married? Who should I marry? When should I get married? Should I marry someone fun and carefree or someone sensible and wise? Does it matter what their family is like? Should I have a big wedding with lots of guests or a small and intimate wedding? Should I wear a bow tie or a cravat? Do we really have to invite them? (laughs) Should we buy a house or rent a house? If we buy a house, should we buy in a nice area and have less space, or in an undesirable area and have more space? Should we get a fixed-term mortgage or a variable mortgage? Should we get a combi boiler or a system boiler? Can we really live without double glazing? Should I get a cat or a dog? (laughs) Cat, definitely cat. What health insurance should I get? What life insurance should I get? What buildings or contents or flood or indemnity or critical illness or loss of earnings or alien abduction? I googled it, that exists. Or car or phone or pet or travel insurance should I get? Should we have a baby? When is the right time to have a baby? When we're young, we have energy. Or when we're older, we have more energy. Should we use a dummy or not? Disposable or cloth nappies, baby led weaning or spoon feeding? Should we send them to the best school or the nearest school? Should I be watching less TV? Should I be spending less time on my phone? Should I start eating better? Should I stop smoking, drinking alcohol, drinking coffee, eating so much cheese? Should I be exercising more? Is it time to get my will done? Should we have another baby? Should we move house or get an extension? Should we have bought a bigger car? Should we have saved more money? Should I pay off my debts? Should I work late and earn a promotion? Or leave on time and see more of my family? Should I go freelance? Should I change my job? Should I change my career? Should I have got a better degree? Should I go back to university? Should I let my teeny bopper have a phone? Should I let them wear that or date him or go there or try that or speak to me like that? Should I get that mole checked out? When should I start saving for my retirement? Should I retire early or keep working? Should we downsize into a smaller house, a bungalow, semi-residential place or a nursing home? Should I go on a cruise? Should I start wearing beige? (laughs) do I really have to get that mole checked out should I join a bowls club should I move near my children should I donate my organs should I get in touch with my brother again should I tell them how sick I am should I have done things differently you only get what you give and it doesn't stop when you become religious does it when you become religious that's just another thing for difficult decisions and tests and things like that. Religion is just another opportunity to give better, to do better, to create more credit for your kind of well-being account. Have I read my Bible enough? Have I prayed enough? Do I pray the right way? Have I given enough of my money or my time? Have I served others well enough? Have I loved enough? Are my thoughts pure enough? Have I shared my faith enough? Do I say the right things? It's, It's immense, isn't it? Just the amount of life decisions and tests and... All these things we have to navigate, it it can become overwhelming. And there's this phrase that has made its way into Christian life. It's not from the Bible, but it, it sounds as though it is, and people speak as though it is. And people say with great confidence that God helps those who help themselves. Right? Wrong. And Jesus told a story to address this very thing. He told a story about two very contrasting people. Um, if you have a Bible with you, um, I invite you to turn to Luke 18. Jesus told this story about two very different people. One was a Pharisee, a man called a Pharisee. He, and the Pharisees were a Jewish group. And they were kind of seen as the religious elite of the time. They studied God, God's law diligently. They followed it meticulously. They even made up extra laws just to be extra sure that they were holy enough. They were highly impressive, respected people in the community. If you met them today, they would be the kind of people who would attend every church meeting. They're always up early to pray before the day. They prayed long, impressive, eloquent prayers. They always kept up with their Bible reading plan. And they never, ever argued with their family on the way to church. (laughs) The other side, the other character that Jesus brings in is the tax collector. Now, a tax collector was someone, uh, as you can imagine, collected on behalf of the ruling Roman Empire. They collected taxes from Jews and everyone under the authority of the Roman Empire. Um, so they were kind of seen by the Jewish community at the time and by the people who were listening to Jesus' story. They were kind of seen as serving the enemy. Okay? And the tax collectors were also known for taking a little bit extra on the side. Okay? So they would, they would make sure that you, you paid your taxes and they would take a bit for themselves. So because of this... They were, they were despised by the community. In fact, when Jesus spent time with a tax collector, people accused him of spending time with the wrong people. You, don't, it's not, you shouldn't be known to associate with tax collectors. So they were seen as kind of dirty and treacherous. So you have two people on the opposite sides of the social spectrum. Respected, a respected person, and a despised person. A person known for their amazing obedience, and a person known for shame, a shameful lifestyle a person known for incredible moral living and upstanding, and a person known for unscrupulous ways. And so Jesus told stories to teach deep truths. Jesus was just so amazing that he would just, someone would ask him a question, he'd tell a story with layers and layers of illustrations. This is why we marvel at who he is. And he told us this amazing story that I have to keep coming back to again and again to remind myself this is where my confidence is. he told this story he told this parable this story this is Luke 18 to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt This this is the story two men went up into the temple to pray one a Pharisee the other a tax collector the Pharisee standing by himself prayed like this God I thank you Let's just take a quick look at their behavior and words and what that reveals. Well, the Pharisee, his prayer is basically all about him, isn't it? Everything that he's doing. He wants to show God how well he's doing. He fasts twice a week when the requirement was once a year. Okay, He's going way above and beyond. He's generous and sacrificial with his money. The tax collector stands on his own. He knows and he is aware that he is unclean by society's standards. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, so he thought he was unworthy of God. He beat his breast as a sign of severe sorrow. He spoke very few words. He just asks God for mercy. And he labels himself a sinner. Now, if it's true that you only get what you give, we only get what we deserve, then we know what they're going to get, don't we? Okay we know how this story ends the pharisee he gets his well earned pat on the back the tax collector we're expecting him to be rebuked by jesus in this story aren't we well let's see how jesus ends this story he says i tell you this man the tax collector he went down to his house justified justified in this context means blameless holy right before god so the tax collector goes back holy blameless and right before God, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself, exalting meaning kind of lifting himself, will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted, lifted up. Wait, that can't be right, can it? The, the one who has screwed up and knows he's screwed up, everyone knows he's screwed up, finds acceptance. And the one who has devoted their life to obedience, everything they do is all about obedience, is rejected. Just think about what Jesus' audience would have thought about this. I mean, they had, they had dealings with the tax collector. They, they had personal interactions with the tax collector. They knew what kind of person that was. And they saw the Pharisees. Okay, maybe from a distance, but they saw what the Pharisees were like. They were respected members of the community. This would have been a scandal to Jesus' audience, is Jesus saying that you don't get what you give? Is he saying you don't get what you deserve? See, we look at the outward appearance, but Jesus looks at the heart. Jesus commends the tax collector because he humbled himself. He recognized his desperate need for help. He wanted to be lifted out. And he desires to, be improved, to improve, and he knows that that is only through God's mercy and kindness. Jesus condemns the Pharisee for trusting in himself, for looking at his own ability. God needs to do nothing for him. And he offers God no, pra- no honour in his prayer. And after reading this prayer, we, we wonder whether or not God should apply to be his assistant. But the truth is, friends, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And it's the same for you and me. If we humble ourselves, we will be exalted. We will be lifted up. We will be seen as blameless, holy, and right before God. So we really don't get what we give. We don't get what we deserve. And friends, that is good news for you today. Jesus says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Basically saying... If you think you're fine on your own, then he has no business with you. Okay? If you think you're spiritually and morally fine without God and you're doing just okay, then Jesus has no interest in you. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for people like the tax collector. It's for the down and out. The gospel is for the downtrodden and the broken. It's for the crippled, the weary, the discontented. It's for the loser, the damaged, the depressed, the poor, the desperate, the lowly, the average. It's for the downcast, the forlorn, the discouraged, the bummed out, the jaded. The gospel is for the distressed, the crestfallen, the dejected, the spent. It's for the weighed down, the troubled, the oppressed, the sick and the dying. It's for people who throw themselves onto the mercy of God. And he will gladly embrace you for doing that. God is a a God full of mercy, love, compassion, and kindness. But how how does that work? If we don't get what we give, how are we getting what he's giving? Or put another way, how can someone be declared holy without actually being holy? Okay, this tax collector, he's He's just getting away with it, isn't he? There's no, where's the justice in that? Well, the good news of Christianity is that Jesus himself steps in. Okay, So the Bible says that people like the tax collectors will be separated from God, but Jesus himself makes a way for us to be reconnected with God. And what happens on the cross of Jesus Christ is that the most amazing transfer happens. And God, in all his glory and in his wisdom, deals with all of this on the cross. So, if I can use an illustration, it's a bit like this. So, say this, my left hand, that represents Jesus. And my right hand, this represents us. And my Bible represents our sin. Everything wrong about us, all our brokenness, every way that we fall short of God's standards. And you see there's a, there's a barrier between us and God. And so what God does on the cross is he reverses it. Okay, so now we are above our sin, it's beneath us. We are free to have a relationship with God. There's no barrier between us and God. But Jesus, he is under the weight of our sin. It's all placed on him. So we receive Jesus' holiness on the cross. We receive everything that's perfect, good, and right about Jesus that is credited to our account. But Jesus takes on our sin. Every imperfection we have, everything bad or wrong about us, is laid on Jesus. And this is why we worship him. Okay, this is why we can all turn up to church this week, regardless of the kind of week that we've had, knowing that if we come, if we confess our sins, he is righteous and just to forgive us of those sins. And we can throw ourselves onto the mercy all over again. When I was preparing this sermon, I thought to myself, what makes me qualified to give this message? Okay, what what right do I have to stand here? Nothing. I am not qualified to stand here only by the grace and blood of Jesus Christ. And that's where I put my confidence, and that's where I put my hope, and that's where I put my trust. And this is what it means to be a Christian. Okay, to be a Christian is to be someone who has had their debt canceled by God. We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. We're free to go. And Jesus invites you. You get what he gives, he gets what you give. Okay, you get what he deserves, and he gets what you deserve. And Jesus is glad to take on what you have. He doesn't do it with resentment or bitterness, he is glad. He says to you, Have my holiness. Have my purity, have my blamelessness, have my joy, have my peace, have my glory. He says, have you got burdens? Give them to me. Have you hurt people? Give that to me. Have you got a bad temper? Give it to me. Have you got shame? Give it to me. Have you got regrets? Give them to me. Have you got guilt? Give it to me. Have you got dark secrets? Give them to me. I will take All of your sin, I want it. This is what Jesus is saying to us. And this is last week when we saw these guys getting baptized. They weren't standing there saying, okay, now I've attained some great height of holiness. Now I am acceptable to God. Now I've cleaned myself up. Now I somehow qualify for baptism. No, they realized they needed a savior. They're reaching out and they're throwing themselves onto God's mercy. And God is merciful. so what will it be for you? Will you go down the route the Pharisee or the tax collector? Will you roll your sleeves up, work harder, try better, do more? Will you trust in yourself? Or will you simply reach out to God? So the kingdom of God is a topsy-turvy kingdom. Okay, It's a kingdom where you don't get what you give you don't get what you deserve. And God helps those who cannot help themselves. Jesus is knocking at the door. He's gently knocking at the door to our hearts. Can you feel it this morning? He won't force himself in, but are you willing to open that door? And this is the true Christmas gift. And some gifts are more and just a gift. In the new year, um, we're going to be running uh, a course called the Alpha Course. Uh, I'll be running it personally. Um, we're going to be doing it every Sunday morning here at church uh, in one of the back rooms, um, starting on the 12th of January, Sunday the 12th of January. <clears throat> um, and it's, it's a course where you watch a video and you learn about the basics of the Christian faith, You know who Jesus is, what the church is about, what, what happened on the cross, Um, and then you have a discussion. And it's a safe place to ask any question, no matter how silly or ridiculous it is. Um, And I myself benefited uh, from doing the Alpha course many, many years ago um, when I became a Christian. Um, I hadn't heard this message of grace. So I knew that I wanted God in my life, but I hadn't heard this message of God's mercy and his grace. Um, And a few years into being uh, a Christian and going along to church... Um, I became more and more proud in, in my ability. So my pride and everything else that I had before I became a Christian just found a new home, right? Um, so this message is also for Christians today. Okay? Some of us may be very aware of this message of grace and we come and we receive forgiveness um, and we're going on in this journey and it's wonderful. But it's very, very possible to spend years of your life being involved in church life and christian ministry reading your bible and miss this amazing message of grace and it's an awful way to live because you never feel secure you never feel um, never feel content and it all rests on your ability all, the way that you could come to church on a sunday morning could rest on whether or not you've had a good week okay i've had a good week i felt like i've performed well i've been obedient i'm going to sing these songs with confidence or have I had a bad week? Okay, I did that. I messed up. I said this thing. Oh, I don't know if I, if I can go to church. If I go to church, I'm going to sing these songs with a little bit reserved. Friends, when we come to church on a Sunday morning, we are covered completely by everything that Jesus did for us. So then we can come with total confidence to sing these words, to declare these truths, to live this life knowing that we are totally accepted forever because of what Jesus has done for us. If anything I have said to you has spoken to you or resonated with you, I would love to talk with you. I'm sure Steve and some of the leaders here will make themselves available um, when we finish. If some of this is new to you, then um, we, we would love to talk to you about some of these things. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have dealt with us in a way that we don't deserve that you have looked at us, seen our situation and our condition, and you have had mercy on us. Lord, help us, whether we're not a Christian or we've been a Christian for 50 years, help us to trust in your grace and your mercy. Help us to not live for our own acceptance. Lord, help us to live for your acceptance. Help us to trust in what you have done in Jesus. And when he declared it is finished, That meant it is finished forever. So Lord, as we come to respond to you in in song, Lord, would you continue to speak to our hearts? Talk to us about areas in which we've reserved or left uh, aside from you. Lord, we want to live a confident life before you because you invite us to live boldly and confident before you. Lord, you're a good father. You long to see us live in freedom. And this is what true freedom is.